Hey, this is Randy Robinson, and I'm the pastor of Everyday Church. Thanks so much for joining us today. We hope this podcast encourages you, stretches your faith, and helps lead you into a growing relationship with Jesus. Let's do it. All right, all right. Good morning. So glad you're here. I know I already greeted you, but that was as the guy, that was as the worship leader, and I'm greeting you as the speaker. So good morning, everybody. Thank you. Can you believe it? You're here. This is it. You made it. You survived the holidays, the family, the in-laws, the outlaws, the mamas, and the pawpaws. I love the holidays so much, but I also love getting back into a regular routine. I love the fresh start of January, the fresh crisp air, the hoodies, sweaters, campfires, s'mores, and hot chocolate. I love the anticipation of spring. Every day that reaches at least 70 degrees, Emmett, our five-year-old, asks if we can put up the water slide. (laughs) It's hot out. I love that everything feels new and it's a clean slate at the beginning of the year. It's a great time to evaluate the previous 12 months and figure out how to make the next 12 months more better. And uh, every January, we introduced a theme for the year. Last year's theme was breakthrough. And man, did we ever see some breakthrough. Look what the Lord has done. We experienced miraculous breakthrough as a church in regards to this amazing facility. Many of you received healing. You fought through sickness and hospital stays and infections and diagnoses and therapy sessions and counseling and surgeries. And you're still here. And I'm grateful. And one of the messages from the Breakthrough series was called Breakthrough Pioneers. And in that message, we talked about why it's often so difficult to break through. And often it's because you're pioneering a path that no one in your family has ever been on. The work is always hardest for the first person who's leading the way. And one of the other things that we learned is that God is the Lord of the breakthroughs, plural. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this. So if you're bored because you heard some of this last January, calm down. (laughs) Second Samuel chapter five, verse 18 says this. Now the Philistines came and spread themselves out in the valley of Rephaim. And then David inquired of the Lord, saying, shall I go up against the Philistines? Will you give them into my hand? And the Lord said to David, go up, for I will certainly give the Philistines into your hand. And so David came to Baal Perazim and he defeated them there. And he said, the Lord has broken through my enemies before me like the breakthrough of waters. Therefore, he named that place Baal Perazim. Here's the short version. The Hebrew word for Rephaim means giants. And so David goes to the valley of the giants and he defeats his enemies. He changes the name then from Rephaim, valley of giants, to Baal Perazim, which means Lord of the breaks. And some of us need to change the way that we speak about our situations. It's time for a name change. You may be in the valley of giants and everywhere you look is another giant staring you down. You might even defeat one giant only to have another one facing you down. 
but we need to flip our perspective. We're not in the valley of, we're not only in the valley of giants, but we're with the Lord of the breaks, the Lord of the breakthroughs, plural, is on our side and he's fighting for us. Now, why do I bring that up? Because while many of you, including myself and our church as a whole, experienced breakthrough in 2023, some of you are still fighting. Some of you experienced breakthrough in one area, but other areas are seemingly falling apart. Breakthrough is never a one and done. There's always more territory to take, more giants to defeat, and more trails to blaze. And I want to remind you that while you may be growing tired of fighting, you are pioneering a path for those who will come behind you. Your children and your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren will benefit from your fight. Don't give up because breakthrough will come. All right, that leads us back to 2024. I felt like God spoke to me in the summer of last year, 2023. And again, if you're new around here, I use the words God spoke to me uh, cautiously. And I encourage you to do the same because we're human and we don't always get it right. But I had this thought come across my mind in the summer and I began to meditate on it and I felt like it was from the Lord and it was this, love your neighbor. And I felt like I heard the Holy Spirit say 2024 is the year to love your neighbor in regards to our church specifically. Now I don't think he meant we should quit loving our neighbor in 2025. Although occasionally I think it would be nice if he said it's okay, you don't have to love them anymore. They're getting on my nerves too. Sorry, some of you have people that get on your nerves. I didn't, I didn't know that uh, everybody in your life is perfect. But uh. Matthew, the tax collector turned Jesus follower, recalls the words of Jesus when he said to love your neighbor as yourself. And we're going to read that in a second. And we're going to get into what this looks like in the weeks to come. As I was processing and meditating on this thought and on this idea, I had this another thought that came and I felt like it was from God. And uh, it was in, in conjunction with love your neighbor. So two of our four stated values are community and generosity. And you guys have been so generous through the years and I'm so grateful for that. Um, have you ever heard, has anybody ever heard of reverse tithing? Reverse tithing. I've heard stories and testimonies where pastors or Christian authors become so financially blessed that they begin to raise their tithe from 10% or 20% to 20 or to 30, etc. You get the idea. So on a few occasions, I've heard of people giving 90% away and living on 10, thus reverse tithing. Now, I don't make near enough money to do something like that and still be able to live. But I believe that God has placed a dream in my heart to be radically generous. And what I or you could never do as an individual, God has allowed us to do collectively. All right, so what does this have to do with anything? What if in the most practical sense, loving our neighbor as ourselves meant basically a one for one? So if I bought a shirt for myself, I'd buy one for my neighbor. If I received a dollar, I would give half of it away, loving my neighbor as myself. If I love myself then I give that much away. What would it look like for a church to operate on 50% and give away the other 50% to the hurting, the broken, other organizations, or even other churches? And I know that sounds radical because it is kind of radical. And as a young church, we're not in a place where we could do that. But I believe that we could do it once or twice or three times in a year. 
And there's no doubt in my mind that we are in the place that we're in because we've been generous as a church. When missionaries come through, we bless them financially. You guys have been so faithful to do that. The favor and blessing that's been on our church has been incredible. And I believe, again, that you can trace it all the way back to the generosity. So here's my challenge for us. And we're going to dive more into part one of this in just a minute of the rest of this Love Your Neighbor. For the next three weeks, I want to encourage you to be radically generous. And on our anniversary service, we're going to present a check to another organization in our community that will represent loving our neighbor. And throughout the year, I'd like to do this at least three times where we would give away $5,000 to an organization in our community fulfilling two of our core values. That would represent $15,000 going out directly into our community and it would represent $30,000 coming in. We've never in the history of our church had a month where that much came in. If 30,000 came in this month, we could give away 15. We just would do it. But what I wanna do is start small and start with one and on our anniversary, we're gonna bless somebody with a love your neighbor offering. And I wanna encourage you the next three weeks, give generously. I want to encourage us to be radically generous, to love our neighbor as ourself and do something significant on our anniversary for another church or organization. And again, I know this sounds radical, but I dream of a day when we could operate this way all of the time. And I know from experience that God honors generosity. God placed this in my heart long before we knew that this building was even a possibility. And I think that it's his way of saying that it's not about us. It's his way of reminding us that there's still work to do. We're blessed to be a blessing. I said we're blessed to be a blessing. Matthew chapter 22, verse 34, going back to the words of Matthew, says this. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Sadducees had come to him and presented him with a bunch of questions and he silenced them, pretty much put them in their place. The Pharisees got together. It's like, well, maybe we could do better. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All of the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Jesus says all of the law and the prophets, everything that you're doing, it hangs on these two things. Everything we do hinges on whether or not we do these two things well. In other words, our Christianity can be boiled down to those two things. Love God with all of our heart, soul and mind and loving our neighbor as ourself. I mean, think of any sin that you want to. From a practical standpoint, when we sin, it's either against God or against another person, i.e. our neighbor. And I know practically speaking, it's not always that simple, but if we loved, or it's not always this simple, but if we loved our neighbor, then we wouldn't sin against them. All right, so let's work backwards on this. And again, this may be overly simplistic, but we're still shaking off holiday fog. So let's just work with me. In order to love our neighbor as ourself, we have to properly love ourselves. And we've all seen those people, the ones who really like themselves a lot. They're always the most important people, person in the room, or they think they are. They're arrogant, 
prideful, full of themselves. And so if you ask them if they love themselves, they would respond with a wink and a smolder and be like, yeah, what's well, not the love? <laughs> I feel that way sometimes. We're going to talk about this in more depth in another message. But loving ourselves in a biblical and healthy way means understanding who we are in Christ, which we just sing about. And that identity can only properly flow from God, which is directly related to our love for God. We can't properly love our neighbor if we don't appropriately love ourselves, and we can't appropriately love ourselves if we don't genuinely and authentically love God. And so this is the baseline. This is the starting place. This is where we begin. Love God with all of your heart, all of your soul, and all of your mind. I'm thinking about loving God, and I was just preparing this. I had a few old songs kind of going through my head. Anybody remember? We sing these a few times, but I love you, Lord, and I lift my voice. To work, you can sing with me. Worship you, oh my soul. Rejoice, take joy, my king. Take joy in what you hear. Let it be a sweet, sweet sound. Let it be a sweet, sweet sound in your ear. What about my Jesus? I love thee. I know thou art mine. You guys don't know that one? I guess you have to, you have, to have gray hair for that one. For all the follies of sin, I resign. My gracious. Redeemer, my Savior, art thou. If ever I love thee, my Jesus. What about this? Everybody knows this one. Oh. How I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. I love how some of those old songs just carry a sense of peace with them. Do you love him? Do you really love him? I can't lie. That was a little bit of a setup. Because it's easy to sing about how much we love him, but it's something entirely different to live it out. How do you know you really love someone? How do you know you really love someone? I've, I don't use AI a lot, but this felt like the perfect question for ChatGPT. <laughs> 10 ways to know you love someone according to AI. Emotional connection. Love often involves deep emotional connection with someone. You may feel a strong sense of affection, warmth, and care for the person. Thinking about them. If you find yourself constantly thinking about 
a person, whether in a positive or a caring way, it could be a sign of love. They may occupy your thoughts and bring you joy. Prioritizing their well-being. When you love someone, you genuinely care about their happiness, their well-being, their success, and you may go out of your way to support and help them. Acceptance, desire for their happiness, feeling a sense of comfort, intimacy, shared values and goals, respect, commitment. Love often involves a level of commitment and dedication to the relationship. You're often willing to invest time, effort, and energy into nurturing and sustaining the connection. For a lot of us, we don't even meet the, the definition of love according to chat GPT, let alone a biblical definition. What would my relationship with Katie be like if I never spent time with her, thought about her, preferred her desires over mine, if I never talked to her? And I think we have a great relationship, but if I ignored her, disrespected her, or spent time talking to other ladies about the secrets of my heart, my guess is the quality of our relationship would suffer. My mom just returned from a trip to Mississippi to see her siblings. She has a sister who's very sick and needs a miracle. And you could add that to your prayer list. It would be greatly appreciated. But when she got home, she brought a bunch of pictures of the family when I was a little kid. I showed our boys uh, a picture of me when I was like 17, 16 or 17. And I said, hey, do you know who this is? And they said, Bubba. They thought I was Adrian. There was another picture of me when I was about seven. I was making a muscle because I've always been buff. <laughs> too much laughter. Tone it down just <laughs> too much, too much. Yeah, you guys are still laughing. I don't like that at all. Uh, Needless to say, they didn't recognize me as a seven-year-old. Uh, I didn't look at all of the pictures, but I'm guessing there were 30 or 40. And in the middle of those pictures was a picture of 16 or 17-year-old me with my 11th grade girlfriend. I don't even know a picture of like that existed, but as you can imagine, it got a little bit awkward at the table. Now, I have no idea where this person is, how to reach them, what their life has been like for the past 30 plus years. But how many of you know it would be weird if I was seeking this person out to share the intimate parts of my life with? It'd be worse than weird. I'd be dead. <laughs> Here's the point. Because Katie and I love each other, we share our lives together. And anything that could get in the way of our relationship cannot be a part of my life. Now back to our relationship with God. When was the last time you spent intentional quality time with him? We talked about this a few weeks ago. Even though God is everywhere, the reason that so many of us and so many people only sense his presence in a large gathering of other believers is because that's the only time that they intentionally set aside to meet with God. When you come here on Sunday, you don't accidentally show up. You don't have to be here, but on your own volition, you set an alarm, you take a shower, you brush your teeth, well, some of you do, you put on clothes that are presentable, you get your kids up, you get them dressed, you comb their hair, you brush their teeth, you deal with the crying and the car seats and all of the things, you spend money on gas, you give an offering, you serve in some capacity, you might even buy lunch afterwards when you leave. Everything that happens on Sunday is intentional. You come with intention to meet with the creator of the universe and what happens, he meets us with his presence again and again. But if I only spoke to my wife once a week 
For a few minutes, not only would our relationship suffer, it would not be an indicator of any kind of love. I love you, Lord, and I lift my voice to worship you only on Sunday. <laughs> my intention is not to punch everyone in the face this morning. But we can't move into loving our neighbor until we rightly love God. And I think so many of us have taken our relationship with God so for granted that we don't even recognize the signs that we're no longer in love with him. We've all heard the stories. You've seen it in movies. Maybe you've experienced it yourself where a spouse or someone in a relationship walks up and says, I just don't love you anymore. And a lot of times there's one member in that relationship is oblivious. I just don't love you anymore. And they're completely in shock. What do you, what do you mean you don't love me anymore? And that's how our relationship with the Lord often becomes. We're so into ourselves that we don't even notice that our love for him has waned. Jesus asked Peter on the beach, Peter, do you love me? After he denied him. And Peter said, you know that I love you. And I feel like the Lord is asking us the same question. He's saying, do you love me? We cannot love our neighbor until we properly, intentionally, authentically love God. There was a season of my life in the not so distant past that I struggled to say the words, I love you, God. It felt disingenuous. And I found myself trying to say, I love you, God, in my prayer time. But inside, I wasn't sure I did. And I began to take inventory of my heart. What was keeping me from fully loving God? And my encouragement to you today, on this first Sunday in January 2024, take inventory of your heart. Do you love God? Do you really love him? What are the indicators in your life that you truly love him? When is the last time you spent time with him outside of this environment? And maybe you already spend regular time with God. Take inventory of your heart. Could your relationship with God go deeper? Could it be better? Are there things that you could do differently or things that you could eliminate that are keeping you from going to a deeper place with the Lord? We talked about fasting earlier. Have you ever fasted for an extended period of time? For obvious reasons, fasting isn't my favorite spiritual discipline. Probably isn't yours either. Maybe consider joining us next week as we start this fast for 21 days. Maybe 21 days feels like too long. It's impossible. Like, I can't do that. Can you do three days? Could you do seven? Could you fast one meal a day? Could you fast social media? What, what's going on in your life 
that you could say, you know what? This would be a sacrifice for me to lay down. But I'm going to do it intentionally so that I could go deeper in my relationship with the Lord. We're fasting and we're praying together. One of the things that I'm praying for during this fast is Katie's health. Still battling migraines. Those of you that have been around a while, you know that's been an ongoing issue for a couple of years. Numbness on part of her body and just different things. And I'm believing God for healing. It's not a hunger strike. I'm not eating until you move. I was in my office. It was in November. I fasted in November leading up to Thanksgiving. And um, I, don't, I don't really do fasting. And I, and I it, sitting in your seat, when people are like, 21 days of fasting, let's go. And the pastor's like, whatever. And I'm like, I'm not doing that. <clears throat> I just wouldn't. I didn't, you know what I mean? I just, I just, maybe I was just out of tune with the spirit of the Lord. I, I don't know. But I was in, in my office and I was, it was early in the morning and I was spending time with the Lord and I just was like, God, it just feels dry and, and cold. Like, I, I don't, I'm not sensing your presence the way that I would like to in, in this moment that I'm, I've set aside to be with you. And I was reading through a book on prayer and I wasn't really enjoying the book. It's like two or three chapters in. It's taken me months to get that far because it's just not like, you know what I mean? Like sometimes you pick up a book and you don't want to drop, you don't want to put it down. But this book was like, ugh, you know, it was okay. And so I'm just thumbing through the book and one of the chapters was called Fasting. And when I stopped my thumb and that big bold print at the top of the chapter said Fasting, I just began to weep. And I was like, no, God, I don't, <laughs> I know I said I want to feel your presence, but I don't want to do that. <laughs> but for the first time, out of all of the times that I've attempted to fast, I knew God had called me to it. And something began to change and break in my life, even in that week. I'm just saying that to say, look, I get it. So next week, we'll talk about fasting a little bit and give some instruction and encouragement to people who have no idea how or what to do. I just say that to say, look, I get it. It's not fun, really. But it's about the sacrifice. And it's about me putting my desires to the side and saying, Jesus, I want you more than anything else. The reality is to get something you never got, sometimes we have to do something we've never done. I don't know what you're going to do to fan the flame, shout out to 2023. I don't know what you're gonna to do to fan the flame of your love for God, but I can tell you what I'm not going to do. I'm not gonna stand up here week after week and act like we have arrived because we have a new facility. We've got work to do. So what that we can seat 250 people and have a combined campus, campus attendance of over 400. Do you know that there are roughly 350,000 people in our area? And I don't want to minimize what God is doing. I'm so grateful that you're here and I'm praying that God is going to send more people to receive what he has for them. I don't want to minimize that, but it's really about perspective. Out of that 350,000 people, only about roughly 175,000 of them, roughly half, maybe a little bit more, are not followers of Jesus. Our church is about 0.1% of that number. We'd have to grow 10x to get to 1%. To put that into even more perspective, we would have to add almost 1,700 additional people just to get to 1% of the lost population of Marion County. 
The lost, hurting, broken, everyday people of our area need us to love our neighbor. But first, they need us to love God. Because until we love God, we'll never truly love our neighbor. I want you to take inventory of your heart. And I want you to ask the question, do you love him? If you don't, or your love has grown cold, repent, turn around, and go the other way. Jesus is here, and he's waiting on us to respond to him. Would you bow your heads all across this room? I think there are probably a few different levels of people in the room. There are people right now, you don't even have to soul search. You know that your love for God's not where it needs to be and not even where you want it to be. You don't have to do a deep dive in your soul. You don't have to journal. You don't have to spend eight hours alone trying to figure out where all the dark spots are. You just know right now. And I would like for you in an act of faith to lift your hand and say, you know what? My love for him is not where I know it should be. Would you lift your hand in this room? Amen. You can put your hands down. There are others in the room that you do love God. You feel like you do, but you're going to need to do some deep searching. You're going to have to look inside and see what's keeping you from going to the next level. What's keeping me from going to the next place that he's calling me to? One of our contractors, his name is Ray. He's installed the sound and the lighting and all the things in this room. He always tell me, Randy, we're going from glory to glory to glory to glory. What has stopped you from going to the next level of glory? What is it in your heart that's blocking you from going to the next place? And maybe you don't know the answer to that question right here in this moment, on the spur of the moment. But I'm asking you to do inventory starting now, but this week and today and this afternoon and say, God, is there something in my life that's keeping me from going to the next level? That's keeping me from going to a deeper place with you? There's a third group of people in here. You don't have a relationship with God at all. You've never received Jesus as your Savior. I'm going to ask you if you fit into any of those latter two categories. I know some of you lifted your hand a moment ago. But if you're here and you don't know Jesus, would you lift your hand? And I, I would just be honored to pray with you. Maybe there are others who say there are things in my life and I know that I need to, I know I need to get some perspective. I need to flip some things around. I need to eliminate some things. Would you lift your hands? I can see that. Amen. Amen. Pastor Mike, will you join me at the front? We've got a team of people that are going to be here to pray with some of you. Uh, would you stand on your feet just for a moment? I would love to take a moment and just invite you out of your seat. 
If you lifted your hand for any of those calls to action, so to speak, that come to the front, you may want somebody on our team to pray with you, or you may just want to spend time with the Lord on your own. And just so you know, we have altars that are going to be coming. They're not here. We'll have a place in the near future to kneel and spend and, and, and spend time in prayer. And that's not here right now. Maybe you just want to kneel here or maybe you want to kneel at a chair. Maybe you need to go. I, I don't know where you're at, but I would like to invite people to come to the front who would say, you know what? I, I need a fresh touch from the Lord. I need an infusion from him. I, I, I want to pour out my heart to him. I want to repent for not loving him the way that I know that I should. I want to repent for putting things in front of him. And so I just want to invite you to come to the front. Join me at this altar. If you need prayer, any of these folks will be happy to pray with you. Other than that, you can seek God on your own. I can't think of a better way to enter 2024 than a fresh surrender from the Lord. On behalf of Pastor Randy and the entire staff at Everyday Church, we'd like to thank you for joining us today. For more information on the church, please visit us at everydaychurch.xyz.